Good morning. Are you ready? So brand. <laughs> oh, come on. Man, can we just thank God for the worship this morning? Thank you, Jesus. It's all about the presence of God. Amen. Everything flows and moves and is from the presence. Amen. Can we thank uh, the, just the worship team for leading us this morning? So good, man. Are you ready? Are you happy? Woo! Hey, I, I want to start off this morning uh, just by saying thank you. I, I just want to thank everybody that has just sewn in to the food pantry ministry. Listen, it is, it, this has been an incredible response. Like people coming every day, man, to drop off canned goods and macaroni and cheese and food. I, there was, was one day, I think Jeremy mentioned it last week, I had four wheel, it took me four wheel, wheelbarrow loads from that spot of the foyer all the way back to the little food pantry room to stock it. So man, thank y'all for sewing in to the kingdom of God. Listen, the gospel is going forth through this food ministry. I, I want to start off, I want to share a couple testimonies uh, from the, the last outreach we had last Saturday. We took the groceries that you all have been bringing and we took them to families in Woodlong and passed them out, man. And it was so powerful. But, but, but listen, I, and y'all too, man, you've been thinking of things that I haven't thought about yet. Like, like somebody just brought like a stack of grocery bags so that we got, could actually put the groceries in and that's what we used to deliver them. And then somebody thought about can openers. I didn't thought about can openers. There's so many can goods. As a matter of fact, in Woodlawn, we, I was driving down this one road and this guy was working on his truck and the Holy Spirit just highlighted him to us. It was me and another guy. And we pulled over and I just jumped out and said, hey man, I just want you to know how much God loves you. It, could you use some groceries? He goes, man, I ain't got no groceries at the house. And I opened my trunk and gave him this big old bag full of groceries. And I said, man, how can I pray for you? And he just began to open up his heart. We began to pray on him, pray over him and love on him and just speak life over him. And he was so receptive. And before I left, I said, man, could you use a can opener? He goes, yeah, I ain't got a way to open up a can. And I handed him this can open. He goes, man, you thought I handed him the greatest thing in the world. So just things like that. I mean, thank y'all, man, for thinking about that. I feel like this is really such a family affair. This is, the fam this is a family business, man, that's advancing the kingdom. The gospel's going forth through the family. And so I'll share just a couple of testimonies real quick. So um, the outreach was last Saturday. We had a team of about 16. We went and delivered groceries to families. But before last Saturday, um, I actually went to Woodlong on the Wednesday before the outreach. And I met up with Keith Crow. He's from Hope Street Ministries. And we just kind of mapped out where we were going to deliver the groceries, right? And so, and then the other thing I did was I hung out in the park. There's a park there in, in Woodlong. And when Woodlong High School lets out, all these kids walk through the park to get home because none of them have cars, right? 
And so they're walking through, and I'm just running up to them, passing out cards. Hey, I'll be here Saturday at 1 o'clock. Well, I made up about 50 snack bags to pass out to all the teenagers. And we passed out about 20 to 30 of them. And all stuff that you brought. And so I had these bags. I started passing out food Saturday. Man, come. Let's hang out, man. And I'm praying over these kids. I'm stopping, man. Jesus loves you. He's got a plan for your life. And I see these three, these three guys walking down the hill. And I run up to them. And I recognize one of them. His name is Derek because Two years ago at Hope Street Ministries, I was there and he gave his life to Jesus. And I said, Derek, and he goes, Wes. I said, Derek, do you remember the night two years ago when you gave your life to Jesus? He goes, I'll never forget it. I said, are you still pursuing Jesus? He goes, yes. And I looked at his friends and I said, hey, have you two given your life to Jesus the same way that Derek has? And they go, yeah, at least we think so. We love Jesus. We believe in Jesus. And I begin to share the gospel with them. And I just begin to tell them that God has a plan for their life. He's not distant. He's close. He's not far. He's personal. He's not religion. He's relationship. And I'm just speaking life over them. I said, let me pray for you. And I begin to pray for them and speak into their destinies, man. It was so powerful then I got done and I looked at him I said man could your families use groceries I'll be here Saturday with groceries and all three of them said man man our family right now has no groceries at home and they're they're walking back home and I said I'll be here Saturday and I took down all their addresses and so sure enough Saturday I'm looking for Derek's address and I can't find it he gave me the, the number of the house there's no numbers on their houses there's like a nine here and an eight on this house and a two in this house. And the GPS has me in the vicinity, right? And I go, Holy Spirit, Derek's family needs groceries. And the Holy Spirit speaks to me and says, Wes, I'm going to take you right to his house. So I just pull the car over and I go up to this one house and I knock and nobody comes to the door. And the Holy Spirit said, this isn't Derek's house. <laughs> and I said, okay. And I turned and the house I was looking at, the Holy Spirit highlighted said, that's Derek's house. And I walk up the steps, and I knock on the door. And you know who answered the door? Derek. And he goes, Wes, you came. I said, yeah, the Holy Spirit brought me to your house because you don't have a house number. And he goes, I know, man. I, I realized that once I gave you the address. And he ran, and he got his mom. And he brought his mom back. He said, Wes came with groceries. And I gave him the groceries. And I stood right there. We just put our, I put my arms around him. Me and another guy. We just began to pray. And Derek's getting ready to go in to the Marines. And we just began to speak life. And the presence of God began to fill that home. The presence of God began to fill that space. And it was so powerful. And then Yvonne tells me a testimony. Them and a, and a group of people went to give groceries to this older lady. And she was, it was arthritis in her body. And she was just kind of riddled with pain. And by the, the time they were through spending time with her and praying over her, they said she was standing up, dancing and moving, and doing things she hasn't been able to do in years. Isn't that amazing? Do, do you know why?
All right. Hey, thank you, Tate. Thank you, Eddie. Glory to God. So listen, here's what I want to share because I feel like this is so important. And this is not even really the message this morning. But I, I, I was thinking about it too just when Jeremy was up here. It, it, it's so important that we don't desire the miraculous over desiring the presence of God. That's, that's super, super important. It's why before every outreach, we spend time worshiping and praying and spending time together in the presence of God because it's from that presence that we live and move and are. Are you with me? It's never ever about what God can do. It's always about who he is. But because we know who he is, we step out full of faith, full of confidence, right? Full of expectation because we know who he is. It's like we carry the presence and because we know what we carry, we step out full of faith because of who God is with love in our heart and the miraculous becomes a byproduct. The miraculous becomes a normal part of our everyday life as believers. Why? Because it's not about what he can do. It's about who he is. It's not about where we go. It's about what we carry. In the presence of God, Jesus is present. Powerful things take place. I believe with all my heart that the miraculous can be just as normal as you and I breathing. Because we don't have to try. It's already been done. We just carry it with us. Are you with me? Okay. Are you happy? That's not really the message, but that's just some testimonies from the the last Saturday's outreach. Thank you for pouring in to the food ministry. We're going to continue to pass out food. We've just had an incredible response. You know the testimony. Somebody called me. We donated 50 pounds of hamburger beef. We, we passed out 30 pounds of it on last Saturday. And I had a guy come to me and say, Wes, how much do you think it will cost just to stock the full food pantry? Man? I said, but I don't know. You want to go see and just take a guess for yourself? I took him back there. He goes, I got a good idea. The, the kingdom of God, man, is being advanced. And you guys, you guys are a part of it, man. Thank you for sewing in. Okay. I, I sort of, this morning, I want to... I sort of want to pick up where I left off last time I preached. Okay, and if you weren't here, it's okay. You'll just pick up on it. But the last time I preached two weeks ago, I essentially talked about a surrender to this man named Jesus. And and one of the things I feel like what the Holy Spirit is doing right now in the body of Christ, I know he's doing it for me personally, but I feel like it's something he's doing in the body is that, it's this awakening, and I feel like it's less of an invitation and more of an awakening, a compelling, and a pushing to this one thing for you and I as believers to be completely, utterly, and wholeheartedly surrendered to this man named Jesus. To where, look, you look, y'all, we, gotta, we can't miss this, where it's, it's an all-in kind of moment that I feel like we're in. It's like, like all or nothing. There is no in-between Like, I believe we're being awakened to this realization that life in the in-between, man, is just as miserable as if you would turn our back on God and run the opposite direction. That there is no life in the in-between because we got one foot in and one foot out. Man, Jesus is the only one that can truly fulfill and bring us life. And I feel like the Holy Spirit is saying it's all or it's nothing. It's an all-surrender kind of moment that we're in. And it's like, I feel like it's this. 
It's time that we don't just believe in Jesus and try to follow him. It's time that we believe that we can become like him because he now lives inside of us. It's this Christ in us has changed everything. Are you with me? I feel like the Holy Spirit is saying it's time for you and I to be who God says we are. And who we are, it's no longer you that lives, but it's he that lives inside of you. And because he lives in you, you can become like him, not just follow him. Are you with me? Like, like, like I feel like it's, it's found in the book of James chapter 3, verse 2 and 3. We're going to talk about James today. But in James 3, 2 and 3, it says the goal in this Christian life is to become more and more like Christ. I feel like the Holy Spirit saying, man, Jesus has to be the goal. He's the reason. He is the dream come true. Like, look, man, we all have dreams, right? And they're good. And they're from God. And they're important. But Jesus has to be the dream come true. So that you're not waiting on your dream to fulfill you. Like, like when Jesus becomes the dream, you're already fulfilled so that when you step into the promised land or the dreams that God has for you, the dream doesn't become your God or what you worship. Are you with me? But because Jesus has already f- fulfilled you, he is the dream, you just begin to partner with him to build his kingdom rather than to build your own. Are you with me? And I feel like this is what the Holy Spirit's showing us. Our goal Our dream is Jesus, and when he becomes the goal every day, not just following him or being the best Christian we can be or overcoming, when Jesus becomes the goal, it shifts our focus. Remember, we talked about this focus. Melanie had this powerful question a couple weeks ago. She goes, where is your focus? And when Jesus is the goal, it shifts our focus. You're no longer focused on you and what you need to do and where you're not yet. You're focused on Jesus and what he's already done and who he says you are. Because once we know who we are in Christ, it changes everything we do and everything we pursue. We're no longer pursuing something. We're pursuing someone, and his name is Jesus. When Jesus is the goal, sin becomes few and far between. You have no desire to eat. It's not even an option because you are complete lacking nothing because you have him. Woo! Sin's no longer an option. When your goal is to become like him and your focus is him. When your goal is to become like Jesus and he's your focus, man, you're no longer thinking about or worried about or focused on the storm around you or what's happening around you. Because your focus is on Jesus, when you're faced with that storm, you begin to rise above it. You begin to see it the way that Jesus sees it. And all of a sudden, you begin to respond the way that he would respond. You begin to lean in because you're not trying to overcome the storm. You're trying to become like him. Next thing you know, God doesn't just get you through it. You conquer it and become better because of it. Because God doesn't waste anything. He's an amazing father. But it all is because our focus, our attention, our affection is Jesus and to become like him. And it begins with complete surrender. Listen, the battle is not against the enemy. It's not against sin and it's not against the storm. The battle is against whether or not you and I wake up every day and get on our knees and surrender our all to this man named Jesus Christ. We don't need more Christians. We need believers that look at the life of Jesus and say, I believe that you are who you say you are and my goal is to become like you. Woo! Jesus ain't looking for members of a church. He's looking for disciples. 
His definition of discipleship is different than ours because true discipleship begins with us dying. And when we lay our life down for the one who laid down his life for us, that's when we actually come alive. Because the kingdom of God is upside down. It's different. This is what the Holy Spirit is doing right now. It's just not all out war. The war's over. This is an all out surrender to this man named Jesus Christ. This is about the presence of God. A complete and utter surrender and posture. This is about, man, I I don't need the agenda. This is about, I need the presence. And if I have the presence, I have everything. And I feel like, man, there's, there's such a great example of someone who lived this way in the example of James in the Bible. <clears throat> the, the young adult group, we are going through the book of James. And it's, been, it's, it's changed my life. The, I'm going to tell you about James, and then I'm going to tell you a little bit about why he wrote the book. I, the way that James pursued Jesus, and the way that James was wholeheartedly surrendered to Jesus, I believe is relevant to what the Holy Spirit is doing right now because James's goal is to become like Jesus, not to overcome, not to be this great Christian, not to be seen, but for people to see Christ in him. And it's, it's just changing my life. So let me tell you who James is. So I'm not talking about uh, James who wrote the book of James. It's not G- James the disciple. We're not talking about James and John, the sons of thunder. Those are the disciples, the apostles. I'm talking about James, Jesus' half-brother. I, I love to th- sometimes just think about the humanity of Jesus. Did you know that the Bible indicates that Jesus had at least four brothers and at least two sisters that he grew up with? At least six siblings that he grew up in the house with. That's just fun to think about. And look, now, now the reason that the Bible describes James as Jesus' half-brother is because Jesus and James weren't really blood brothers. Because Mary and Joseph didn't come together to conceive Jesus. The Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary. She became pregnant with Jesus. They give birth to Jesus. And then Mary and Joseph got married. And they had biological children of their own. And the first one they had after Jesus was James. So, so do you, do you, we, can't, we can't just rush past this. Watch. You, you understand that it, when, when a husband and a wife come together, at conception, the child receives blood group factors. Okay, and you can trace that blood type to the father, but Jesus' blood was different. You, you couldn't trace the blood of Jesus to Joseph because Mary and Joseph didn't come together to conceive. The Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary. Where did Jesus receive his blood group, not factors, but factor? From his heavenly father. He received one blood group factor. It was the blood of God. There was, and, and that's why the Bible describes his blood as precious. In 1 Peter 1.18, I've preached this so many times. This will not be the last time. It says that we were redeemed, not with perishable things such as silver and gold, but by the precious blood of the Lamb. It's precious because the blood that Jesus received was holy blood. It was uncontaminated blood running through his veins. And it remained holy and uncontaminated because he never sinned. He lived a perfect life. Which is why when he hung on the cross, he had holy, precious, uncontaminated blood spilling out of him. And that was the secret to its power. It was so powerful that it won the victory over every sin and every mistake in our life. This morning you get to be forgiven. 
He won the victory over every situation, every circumstance, every pain, every sickness, every disease. And now, when we believe in Jesus with our heart and invite him to come in, it's no longer we that lives, but it's he that lives. Christ in us has changed everything. We received everything that came with him, which means we received the blood that ran through his veins. You and I have holy, uncontaminated blood running through our veins because it's no longer we but he. Woo! It's why, listen, it's why the Bible uh, says that we are born again. We literally are born again and receive something brand new. It's why the Bible says you're no longer a sinner, but you're a saint. It's why it says in Colossians 1.22 that we stand before the Father as pure, holy, righteous, blameless, and without fault in his eyes because we've received new blood. It's why in 1 Peter 2, 9, it says you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, because there's holy blood running through your veins. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, out with the old and in with the new. Those who belong to Christ have become a new creation. Are you happy? This is who you are. And that is the explanation of why James is the half-brother of Jesus. In, in much of James's life, he did not believe that Jesus was the Son of God. He didn't believe that Jesus could perform miracles. And what's so crazy about that is that James had actually seen his brother Jesus perform miracles. He saw it. Because in the book of John, uh, chapter 4, verses 1 through 7, it says that James and his brothers began to mock Jesus. They said, hey, Jesus, you go on ahead of us to the Feast of Tabernacles and perform those miracles you say you can perform. And see, what's so crazy is that the book of John chapter 4, verse 1 through 7 was written about six months before Jesus was crucified. So that means for two and a half years of Jesus' open public ministry, his brother James had saw every bit of it. But how many of you know, this is what the Holy Spirit's been showing me, that, that if you don't believe it in here, you can see it out there but still not believe it. If we don't believe it, see, the kingdom of God is different than the world. The world says you need to see it in order to believe it, but the kingdom says if you'll believe it first without having to see it, that's when you'll begin to see it the most. Woo! We've been invited by God to live a life of faith. Second Corinthians 5, 7 says to walk by faith and not by sight. If we don't have to see it first but believe it first, we'll begin to see it all the time. It's like, man, even though I don't see it yet in the physical, I see it taking place in the spiritual, so here I go in faith. This is the kingdom. Even though it hasn't manifested yet, I'm going to live as though it already has. This is what God invites us into. This is when we begin to see things. Are you with me? Everything, the whole book of James is about us learning how to live from the inside out. And I believe that that's what the Holy Spirit's doing right now. Hey, it's, it's, we're done living from the outside in. It's not about what you know or how much you know. It's all about who you know. You, you can't be in between, man. You got to be all in. You need to stop working, worrying about what's happening around you. It's easy to worry about what's happening around us right now. You need to look from within because he has the solution and the answer to everything that's going on around you. You need to put your faith in Christ. I, I, the Holy Spirit spoke to me about three weeks ago, and he said, hey, Wes, you need to make sure that, that your mind is always two steps behind your heart. He said, your mind should always be trying to keep up with your heart. 
Your heart should always be two steps in front of what your mind's thinking and trying to understand because it's from the inside out that we've been invited to live as believers. If my mind could talk, it might say this. Hey, Wes's heart, way up there. You, you, what? You have prayed for four people to be healed. Nobody got healed. Why would you take time to pray for this fifth person? And if my heart could speak and go, hey, mine, you're not as smart as you think you are, are you? Listen, I'm going to pray for this fifth person because my faith is not in miracles. My faith is in the one who performs miracles. It's not about what Jesus can do. It's about who he is, and he is the healer. So I'm going to keep stepping out until every person I pray for gets completely healed. Because it's about the presence of God. Are you with me? Wes, you've shared the gospel. This is my mind talking. You've shared the gospel with eight people. None of them gave their life to Jesus. You must not be any good at sharing the gospel. And my heart goes, no, wait a minute. I'm really good at it because it's not about me. It's about the spirit in me. And seeds were planted and the Holy Spirit's going to water. And this ninth person might just give their life to Jesus. And they are so worth it. So here I go. Are you with me? I got all that from James teaching us this is time to live from the inside out. James didn't believe that Jesus could perform miracles and he saw him do it until the resurrection. The resurrection changed everything for James. In the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 7, it says that Jesus appeared to his brother James. Now Jesus was crucified. He was resurrected, and before he ascended, there was about 40 days that Jesus appeared, uh, appeared to different people. And one of the people he appeared to was his brother James. And from that point forward, James looked at his brother Jesus and said, I, I, y'all saw you get crucified, and now you're alive. I believe that you truly are the Son of God, and I believe in every miracle that you've ever done and every miracle that you're going to do. And it changed James's life. As a matter of fact, James was one of the 120 in the upper room that was filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And from the resurrection and Pentecost on, James began to tear it up for Jesus. But here's what's so crazy about it. I've been talking about this with the young adults. Young adults, I'm sorry that some of this is repeat. But I warned them. I said, some of this is just bound to come out at some point on a Sunday morning. I, I, I... James, it wasn't like he went out on the outside and beat the bushes for Jesus. James became known as one of the most wholehearted, devoted, surrendered servants of Jesus Christ that we read about in the Bible because he lived from the inside out. His goal was not to follow Jesus but to become like him because James had a revelation that Jesus now lives in me. And it changed. He, he lived from the inside out. Like, like, do you understand that Paul, Paul's main ministry was to the Gentiles and James's main ministry was to the Jews, but Paul, from time to time, would go to James and said, James, I've got all these Gentiles converting to become Christians. Will you just come? You don't have to say anything. I just want them to see how you live your life. And if they'll see the way that you pursue Jesus and what your goal is in life, I believe with all my heart it will affect him forever. So James would just spend time with Paul among the Gentiles just living his life. He became super influential, not with the Jews, but also with the Gentiles. Listen, and here's the scripture that is changing my life. It's found in the book of James, chapter 1, 
verse 1. And he's simply introducing himself and telling us who he's writing this letter to. And he says this, I'm James, a servant of God and a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to notice something. He doesn't even introduce himself as the brother of Jesus. He introduces himself as a servant. See, if we're James, introducing yourself as the brother of Jesus is going to be our lead line. Look, man, you listen. Just so you know, man, Jesus is my bro. Like the Son of God, the one who was crucified and now is alive, the one who performs miracles is still performing. That's, that's my bro. I grew up with him. You're going to want to hear what I have to say. You're going to want to invite me into your church to speak. This is, James, we can't miss this. To James, it wasn't about a title. And I feel like that's what the Holy Spirit's doing right now in the body of Christ. He's getting rid of the title. He's getting rid of the status. It's not what you know and how much you know. It's not about how many followers you have. Oh, my gosh. It's about you and I being completely and utterly surrendered to this man named Jesus. James could care less if anybody saw him and saw him as the brother of Jesus. He wanted when people saw him to see Christ in him and want what he has. Because Jesus is the only one that can change people, not you and I. This is a life of surrender. This is an all-in moment. We're not at war with anybody. The enemy has been defeated. It might feel like it sometimes, but just because you feel that way doesn't mean it's true. Another thing that I feel like James is saying in James 1.1 is what we've been talking about for at least a year. I feel like James is saying, listen, this is not about the man of power for the hour. Everybody is included in advancing the kingdom of God. Do you understand that God poured out his flesh on all people? Everybody. Young men will have dreams and old men will have visions. Maid and maid servants alike, young and old women and children, we will all prophesy about the goodness of God and speak into the destiny that God has for every person's life. Why? Because this is a family business. And as the family, we've all been given the Holy Spirit. If you've been given the Holy Spirit, you are qualified. The kingdom of God will not be advanced by individual effort, but by family coming together and going into the community of Woodlong. It's these different parts of the body that come together as one and we move to represent the head, Jesus Christ. This is for everybody. And the other real simple thing I think James, James is saying is like, listen, we got it. It's not about the title, the status, the man of power. Jeremy's been just giving this just amazing word about God is getting rid of, rid of the celebrity Christians. This is about you and I being completely surrendered on a daily basis so that when people see us, they want what we have because they see Christ in us. When we get squeezed, Christ comes out. The whole book of James, this is from the inside out. What you see is what you get. And if people can't see Christ in you, you need to reevaluate things because your goal is in the wrong place and your focus is in the wrong place. It's probably on you or the storm around you. But when your goal is Jesus and your focus is him, when he is the dream come true, 
Oh, that's when we begin to come alive. And we begin to see like him and walk like him and talk like him and think like him. And we can because it's no longer we that live, but it's he that lives inside of us. Because the goal is not to follow him, it's to become like him. Woo! James writes this letter, right, uh, to, to the scattered Jews among the nations because they were being persecuted. And you would think it would be this big charge letter. You need to be bold. You need to be courageous. You need to take a stand, but it's not that at all. James goes, you actually need to look, man, to the Christ that lives in you. You're so focused on what's happening around you. You need to put your faith in Jesus and believe that he is who he says he is. Your goal needs to become like him. And when you put your focus, attention, affection on Jesus and you begin to be led by the Spirit, if you weren't here last week, you've got to go back and listen to Jeremy's word on being led and guided by the Spirit and power within us. It was so powerful. And James is saying, if, if your goal will be Jesus, if he'll be your reason, if he'll be your dream, and you'll let the Spirit lead you in everything, man. You'll wake up every day and you won't wonder what's going to happen next and when am I going to die and how I'm going to die. You'll wake up every day and go, man, today I get to live my best life because I got Christ. Because I'm not looking, living from the outside in. I'm living from the inside out. Because James is saying it's not an all-out war. It's an all-out surrender. Are you with me? He's saying if you'll put your faith in Jesus and be led by the Spirit, man, then when you're tempted with sin, it won't be about how wrong it is. All you'll think about is how right Jesus is. Oh, come on. I'm telling you, Jesus is the key. He's the answer. He's the antidote. He's the medicine. He's everything. How do I overcome? Stop trying to overcome. Become like. I have two minutes. I, 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 I'm not even halfway done. But you know, it doesn't matter because it's, because it's not about me <laughs> and my word. It's about the spirit and his word. Let, let me, can, can I just, I'm going to take all of these two minutes. Um, I, I, there's a scripture that I feel like goes along really well with this. And it's in the book of Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. And it says this, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And I want you, look, look, church, I want you to notice that it says, seek first. I, I believe with all my heart that we've somewhat overcomplicated it. Like, like, it's real simple. God gets to be first. God is first. Jesus is our goal. And seeking first the kingdom is our priority. If anything in your life becomes a bigger priority than seeking first the kingdom, and I'm saying anything, even the good things in life, like your dreams, like, like good things like your marriage, that's good. It's from God. Your marriage, your kids, your jobs, your success, your self-development, money, all of these things are really good, but they can't take priority over seeking first the kingdom. When we're seeking first the kingdom, all these things are able to be what God designed for them to be. Let's take money, for, for instance. Let me just give this quick example. I was talking with Victor Zagorski one day, a year or so ago, and we were talking about finances. And Victor looks at me, and he goes, hey, Wes, do you know money is important? 
but it's not everything. And I said, that's right. And then Victor went, oh, and he got just hit by the Holy Ghost. (laughs) After a word he shared with me. (laughs) Listen, money is important, but it's not everything. Real simple, Jesus is our everything. Like, like, like he's the source that our provision comes from. And, and so, like, like, if he's the source, then we never run out. So it's important, but it's not everything. And I know what some of you are thinking right now. That's, West, that's great. I believe you. It's important, but it's not everything. Jesus is everything. But Jesus doesn't pay my bills. I have to. That's true, too. Look, look I understand. Let, let, me, let me speak into this for just a second. Oh, my gosh. Look. I'm not taken away from the fact that we are not just in relationship with Jesus, but we're in a partnership with him. Just because he's your everything doesn't mean you sit back and do nothing. Come on. Just because I'm not taken away from this relationship. Just, listen, it's just like faith that I just talked about. It, l- listen, there's one thing to believe in God. It's another thing to believe with him. Oh, in the book of James chapter 3, it says, faith without deeds is dead. Even the demons believe in Jesus. What the, what's the difference in their belief in Jesus and yours? Well, ours actually looks like something. We actually do something with it. If we're not willing to step out in faith and speak what we say we believe in, our faith will remain idle. It will not be complete, which is another theme in James. It's completeness. It's maturity. It's becoming like Christ. And it's the same way sometimes I feel like we're waiting on God to tell us what to do and to open up the door and to show us what direction we go. And I would like to suggest we're not waiting on him as much as we should be waiting with him. Our willingness to get up off our rear end and move and take a step of faith actually partners with him. And that's when the door begins to open. That's when his voice becomes loud and clear. So I am not saying that just because Jesus is everything means you sit back and do nothing. It just means that everything that you do is done from a place of rest. Everything that you pursue is with your hands open wide in complete surrender to Jesus Christ. And when it's done with complete surrender, man, if what you're longing for or looking for doesn't work out, you're not defeated. You're good because you have him. Whenever there's a no, your first thought is, man, that just means that Jesus has a better yes. I'm good. Let's keep going. See, your money can have you or you can have it. And you have it when Jesus is first and he's your goal. And that goes with everything in our life. If I don't love Jesus more than I love my wife, Caroline, then I can't love her the way that he does. Because Luke chapter 14, verse 26, Jesus says, unless you hate your mother and father, your brother and sister, your wife and your children, and even your own life, you cannot follow me or come after me. That's what he says. He's not saying we should hate those relationships. He's saying that our love for him has to be greater than our love for anything or anyone else. When he becomes the greatest love in our life, then we can truly love our mother, father, brother, sister, wife, and children. Woo! Are you happy this morning? Oh, my gosh. I have to love Jesus more than I love my kids. More than I love Jet and Blaze so that I can truly love them. One of the things that we do in our house, this is the last thing and I'm done, is we make sure that in our home that, that we, there's, we are not proud. Because 1 Corinthians 13 says, love is not proud. We make sure that we create an environment where we admit when we're wrong. So, so many times, man, I pull Jet to the side and I say, hey, buddy, 
I, I want to apologize to you. Because the way that I handled that was not right. I got frustrated and I shouldn't have. I reacted rather than responded. Now, what you did was wrong, and we're going to address that in just a second. But, but that doesn't make that what I did was right. I say, Jet, I'm so thankful that God forgives me. Will you forgive me? And he smiles. He goes, yes, Daddy, I forgive you. Can I go watch Paw Patrol now or whatever? It's like he not even, but I want to create, we want to create an environment in our home that's not proud. And the reason that we get to create an environment that admits when we're wrong is because I love Jesus more than I love Jet so that I can actually love him well. If I love Jet more than I love Jesus, then I might put pressure on myself to be a perfect dad. And so if I make a mistake, I might not be willing to admit it. So Jet and Blaze grow up in a household that's not willing to admit when they're wrong. And so when they make a mistake, they might admit it and feel guilty and shame rather than feel love and forgiveness. Are you with me? My whole point, this is my whole point, man, is that, look, Jesus has to be the dream come true. He has to be the goal so that everything else in life, even the good things, can be what God intended for them to be so that they can be healthy and thrive. It, uh, this begins with surrender. I apologize, but I don't apologize for giving you two messages in a row about complete surrender. There could be a third one coming. Can we all stand to our feet? I don't know what you came for this morning. I don't know what you need. But I feel like what you need to know is that the presence of God is enough. For whatever it is you need, whatever it is you came for, I just actually dare you to do the same thing that Jeremy just did. Put your agendas to the side. And just just open up your hands and complete surrender right now. And I just challenge you right now just to say, I surrender all. Come on. Jesus, you are my dream come true. Come on. (laughs) Come on. I surrender all. Come on. Here's what I want to do, man. We're a little past five minutes past 12 and so I just want to open up the front if you want to come forward and just pray and give everything to Jesus man do it if you need to invite Jesus in your life don't you dare don't you dare leave without doing that because he has to live inside of you you're not promised another moment but Jesus promises you an eternity here and now and forevermore Romans 10 10 says if you believe in Jesus with your heart you're justified if you confess it with your mouth you shall be saved if you're here this morning you need healing in your body just come forward right now and get in the presence and let's let Jesus do what he does best if you need prayer this morning I am here I'd love to pray with you Eddie's standing right there Sarah's right there Jeremy's right here Miss Yvonne would you come in Miss Yvonne will pray with you whatever you need this morning I just urge you compel you and push you in the name of Jesus Christ to give him everything to lay it all down for the sake of Jesus so that we can actually be all these called us to us to be. Let me pray. God, you're so good. We love you, God. We surrender everything. We give you our heart, our mind, our soul, our body, everything. There is no greater thing than you, Jesus. Encounter us in these next few minutes. 
make changes from the inside out. In Jesus' name.